Welcome to the Car Project Podcast, where we equip you to understand and study the Bible and find joy along the way. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us at the Car Project today. I'm Sarah. And I'm Heather. And once again, we'll be looking at a, a verse in the New Testament that one of Jesus' sayings, something that he says that could come across a little harsh. And we kind of do tend to gravitate towards some of these sometimes because we just wrestle with them. A lot. A lot. And so we're going to use the CAR Bible Study Guide today to help um, guide our conversation and give us some questions to ask. And and hopefully we'll be able to walk away with a better understanding of what this verse means. Heather, why don't you go ahead and introduce our verse for us? No pressure, Heather. Um, We're going to dive into Luke 14, verse 26. And this is what it says. This is Jesus talking. He says... If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. So it's a little heavy. A little heavy. It really is. And so, you know, when we hear a verse like this, one of the places we can often go to is in our apply questions within our CARA Bible study guide, we have a whole question about expressing your fears and concerns. Mm I think a lot of us would have concerns around, wait mm-hmm. a second, am I supposed to start hating everyone, even myself? Am I supposed to, to, I mean, it's family, right? It's people that are closest to us. My mother and father, my children. And we're supposed to hate them. That's what or, being a disciple looks like. Right. It's confusing. It is. It's, it can be confusing mm-hmm. and a little intimidating. Yep. And so that's why we're, mm-hmm. I'm going to Kara it today. Um, in true Kara fashion, I think we should start at context and just mm-hmm. understand where are we at in 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 Jesus's talking, like what where's going on around this. Yep. And so I I'm gonna actually this verse is at the top of a little bit of a speech that Jesus is giving to people around how to be a disciple. You've kind of hinted to that already, Sarah. And so I want us to start in verse 25. Um, We're in Luke 14, verse 25. I'm going to go all the way through verse 35. I'm already 10 verses right now. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and we're going to just hang out and read Luke 14. This is verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it is thrown out. Whoever here has ears to hear, let them hear. That was quite a bit. That is I'm a... looking forward to you <laughs> breaking let's, this down. Let's go unpack this. So I just, you know, I just read 10 verses. Let me just quickly give you a summary of what I, what we just heard. Yes. As Jesus is outlining what I see as five expectations for being a disciple. The first one is our verse today, which is that disciples need to hate their family or, or close people to them, um, even themselves, in order to follow Jesus. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that one. Number two is that we need to be ready to suffer. 
He said, carry your cross is another way he put it, but carry burdens, be willing to suffer on his behalf. Mm. Number three is disciples need to plan ahead and weigh costs associated with serving Jesus. We see this in the parables that he ends up uncovering in this, um, in this little uh, speech he's giving. And number four is that we need to be ready to give up everything. Uh, Right at the end, he talks about this saltiness. And what he's when he's talking about being salt in this world, what he's actually saying is that disciples need to not be influenced by the world, but be ready to be an influencer. He wants you to be ready for that. Oh, you know, that's interesting because as you're you're talking about those, I was kind of just looking a little bit before, like mm-hmm. the context, what became before. And, and you mentioned that Jesus was kind of telling some parables and he talks about this parable here and starts in verse 15, but that there was a man that was giving a large banquet and he invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he goes out to those he invited and, and tells them he's ready, mm-hmm. right? And then the first person comes back with, the, they come back with these excuses. Yeah. And the first person comes back and it's it's about, I have bought a field and I must go out and, and, and see it. Um, so excuse me. And another one is I've got, I've got these um, oxen that I that I'm taking care of. And another one says I've got I've got married and I, I can't come right now. And so everybody's denying in this yeah, parable, like denying they have, the invitation. They're denying the invitation. Like they have got other things that are more important mm-hmm. um, than than the, the invitation to this this kingdom feast. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I feel like that that balances well with what we saw. With you mentioned in verse 33 at the end here. Um, which said, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. Yeah. So isn't this interesting? Right before this passage, this parable of the feast or the great feast, a, a large banquet, a lot of different Bibles have different story yeah. versions, you know, names of it. But he's almost saying, here, I'm going to invite you to be a disciple. I'm yeah. going to invite you into my banquet. I'm going to invite you in. You're coming up with excuses about physical things like oxen or other people like marriage mm-hmm. or all these pieces that are going to get in the way of you saying yes. Yes. And then he goes into our passage. Yes. Where we start to see him uncover a very clearly you're supposed to be giving up, um, hating family, be ready to suffer, be ready to give up everything. And it very much is almost in response to his parable that he just spoke to. So that, that we're starting to see like this idea of our kind of our priorities, you mm-hmm. know, like what we what we put first. But I'm still confused about this word hate oh. that we find in our verse. What what does he mean when he says hate your mother or father? Right. And we could go into research, but before we head into research and want to research hate further, I do think that some clarity from other biblical texts are going to help us see it. Remember, we're in the Gospels. And when the Gospels are speaking, very often, if we look at a cross-reference, we might see that same story or same passage of Jesus talking in another gospel. And that's the case for our friend Luke. Matthew does the exact same thing. I found this all from my cross-references. We see Matthew in Matthew 10, verse 37. He gives a a very similar account, but he says it kind of nicer. And this is something you should know about Matthew and Mark. If you've read them long enough, you know that Mark is kind of, or not Mark, but Luke, they all have a very different way of of speaking to uh, how Jesus spoke, some of them are giving a little bit more clarity. And this is one where I think Matthew helps us out. He says this in Matthew 10, verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know, is there a chance, because that is really helpful, Uh very, very helpful. And is there a chance that maybe, maybe perhaps Luke said this more like word for word, this is what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. And Matthew might have conveyed the thought. thought. And this is what we see is often, Mark does this too, where it's like he gets really harsh and you're like, oh, yeah. did you really mean to say it that way? And you see other gospels give the thought behind what it was really being. You're right. That's one of the, I love the gospels for that mm-hmm. reason, because it's kind of like, 
wait a minute, is this story told somewhere else? I'm going to go check it out because I'm right. confused here. And again, that's not them contradicting each, uh, each other. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I like Heather, it. I can talk. <laughs> uh, what it does help us do is um, I've heard it alluded to that if you're a gospel, if you're a gospel writer, you're seeing it from uh, different angles from everybody. They have different backgrounds and different perspectives. When you're studying mm-hmm. the gospels, you have to imagine that there are four people, you know, that are trying to give a very similar account of something they're going to see it from a different perspective. It's almost like a crime scene in a room. Every every person that was a witness is going to look at it quite differently and recount it differently. And so when we see this, mm-hmm. this is not them contradicting each yeah. other. This is them just adding clarity on how their viewpoint of how they would have heard or something. And also they're taking into account who their audience is. Completely. Right? Like who they're speaking to. Right. And with Luke and with, we just compared Matthew, Matthew it's a very different audience. They so are. They, they're going to take that into account too. Right. And Matthew gives us some really good perspective here because it, it's um, is our family or our closest people more important than Jesus. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what he's saying. And, um, you know, Mark does have another version of this. I almost look like Mark's version is in Mark 8, verses like 34 through 38. He kind of squishes or, um, and this is Mark in general, he tends to speed date through his stories, uh, is how I call it. He, does. he was speaking to a Roman audience. He had to get pretty quick and to the point because that's who he was writing to. And so he takes a lot of concepts and kind of crams them together. And there's one sentence that he has in um, in verse 34 that says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's Mark 8, verse 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. He's, he's mm-hmm. reiterating this point we're starting to see in both Matthew and in Luke, that this is less about us and more about Jesus. That is really helpful. Uh-huh. The idea of denying ourselves, um, we're supposed to put him first mm-hmm. over our family, you know, over, over some of our, the, these, these good things that can become ultimate things, right? Like we, we gotta be, we gotta put Jesus first. He's gotta be our ultimate thing. Yeah. So I love that. So, um, is there anything else? I know we've been in context here. Is there anything else that we should be aware of? Well, one of the things that's interesting is, and we haven't done this on, I think on a podcast yet, but I think it's worth us looking at a little, your car cross references to see if there was another verse that could apply. And funny enough, Luke actually has a very similar passage. So here's book context for the first time. I think we're introducing it, um, where we see Jesus repeat the concept of what we're, what we're learning about how to be a disciple of his. We find it in Luke 12 verses 51 through 53. Um, and it's kind of a warning that mirrors our main idea, but it's, um, just talking a little bit about expecting division. Let me read it for us. This is Luke uh, 12 verse 51 through 53. Do you think this is Jesus talking? Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. There will be uh, divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. We see a theme going on here. This passage is telling people that if they choose Jesus, we may find ourselves against people that are closest to us if they don't believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And this we just need to know this and expect this if we're going to follow him. And that it's, it's good to see, especially when it comes to a tricky passage, like hate your mother or father, or, you know, when Jesus is original, what we said there. And if you see that theme again, throughout the book, um, it helps us know, okay, there's some, there actually is something I'm supposed to be taking away here. Right. And that is really helpful. And, and, and I'll have to be honest, I, I haven't had to, 
ex- I have not had to experience that kind of cost, the kind of cost where relationships are divided mm-hmm. over my choice to follow Jesus. But that does exist. Absolutely. I know people who have had to face that cost. Yeah. And, and that's a huge, um, that's, I don't, that's, I don't take that lightly. No. I so much and- respect for people who are willing to step away from whatever it takes to follow Christ. Well, and this is the thing. It it may not be family members that you've experienced, but everybody, when you're Mm -hmm. choosing Christ, that also means the friends that are willing to accept you. I remember not being invited to certain parties uh, in school because of my belief. Sure, We could even resonate with the idea of friends, but you're right. That cost is so great. And there are some that have had to give up everything in order to follow everything, family, connections, networks at work, you name it in order to follow Jesus. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. and he's worth the cost. He is. Uh, So, okay. We, we need to move on from context. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take us somewhere else. Great. Where are we going? Okay. I want us to go to a research and there's a couple of things I'm going to nick in that research category. Remember research is everything from looking up word meanings to um, seeing what biblical scholars have to say. And I looked up the word hate because I was just curious in Greek, what did it mean? Mm. Um, it's the word missio, which actually means to love less. And I think that that, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can think about hate, but I don't usually think of hate as loving less. You know, but if if you pause and think about it for a minute, we use the word hate for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it could be true hatred or it could be like, I hate this food or I hate it when this happens or, you know, like, and it's not a true hatred, but we use that word to exaggerating quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, you know, com- yeah. Comple- completely. Yeah. And so I mean, and we get this a little bit echoed in some of the commentaries I started pulling out. Okay. Warren Wearsby has a um, exposition commentary that um, I often ca- will pick up. And he wrote, our love for Christ must be so strong that all other love is like hatred in comparison. Oh, I like that is helpful. It's, it's about the, the comparison because we automatically think with hatred, like, again, to your point, we can use it in a lot of different ways. What if it brought some more clarity of it, that it's, this is hatred that is in comparison. It's may not be actual right. hate itself. You know, when I was listening to this passage um, this morning. Oh, first of all, shout out for you listening to it. Like, that's a great way to read the Bible is actually mm -hmm. listen to it on like a version Bible app Mm -hmm. or a way to be able to take it in in a different way. So, yeah. And so I asked you, I listened to it in a different translation that I typically read in. And I was listening to it in the New Living Translation, the Mm -hmm. NLT. And there was something in this little verse that that, that stood out to me. And it it had that phrasing um, comparison in there. So listen to this, Luke 14, 26 in the NLT says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. That comparison thing. It it kind of, hearing in a different translation triggered for me, oh, that's interesting. And, and, and there's there's more to this and, and hatred in comparison to what? Right. You know, yeah. What what am I comparing here? Oh, I love that. Okay. One one other commentary that I pulled out that I thought had an interesting take on this is that uh, it was the Bible knowledge commentary. They have a New Testament and an Old Testament version. And I pulled out my New Testament version and it says that literally hating one's family would have been a violation of the law. So it was like, pause for a second. It's he, this commentary is calling out that this could sound like a contradiction mm. to other places in the 
Bible, like, wait a second, you're saying hate, and yet right. the law doesn't say to hate. It says to love. So wait, how does that work? Right. And so, okay, I'll go on. The, let me start over from the commentary. Heather's just giving peanut gallery on the side. Um, <laughs> here it says, literally hating one's family would have been a violation of the law. Since Jesus on several occasions admonished others to fulfill the law, he must not have meant here that one should literally hate his family. The stress here is on the priority of love. Okay. So that, that that's going back into kind of this definition of hate. Mm-hmm. And and could this possibly be figurative language? Ooh, you're bringing up something that we often identify under author in our car Bible study guide. We'll look at an author and sometimes even a speaker. So just that's a correction. They, you can look at the author or the speaker and say, are they exaggerating um, their language in order to get a point across? Are they using this figurative language? And this is fairly obvious that Jesus is is doing this. He's trying to um, be powerful in his language. Um, in fact, the Cultural Background Study Bible, it's this like history study Bible that gives a lot of historical context. It's one of one of my favorite study Bibles. It said, given the emphasis on family culture in, in that area, Jesus' demands would have been very offensive, even those uh, though he, hearers would probably have heard, understood hate to be a hyperbole. So this commentary is basically saying, hey, mm-hmm. this is hyperbole. It still would have fallen very harsh on the hearer, the original hearers. Jesus probably did that on purpose. I'm uh, right. Like I'm going to say this in a way that like really like gets your attention completely. Because if we use figurative language, he's purposely trying to make a strong point because he's making sure we realize yeah. in order to be a disciple, these are things we cannot take lightly. Mm. This is some. This is serious business, and he's wanting to before you sign up and come and hang out with me. Know what you're getting into. He's. Putting all the cards on the table, which I, you know, I got to say, thank you, Jesus, for doing that because we know what to expect now. So it it seems like this verse is is less about really hating our family and it's more about what is the cost to being a disciple and what does it mean to put Jesus first? So, I mean, would you agree with that, Heather? And then, and if so, like how, how do we apply this? Oh, that's great. Because you're, you're spot on. I think we're ready to go to apply. Um, And, you know, we may ask, some of you out there may be asking, well, is this just for those people back then? Maybe this is just something Jesus was saying to that culture at that time versus to us today. And Mm -hmm. I would say based on the context and what he's outlining of anybody that is a follower of Jesus, I would say this is a timeless truth. Um, It's Mm -hmm. to be um, applying to us as well. If we call ourselves a follower Mm -hmm. of Christ, this is something that we need to be listening pretty closely to. Yeah. So that's just like a little shout out because some of you may be sitting at home saying, gosh, maybe yeah. this isn't for me. Maybe this was just for them back then. And I can say... Yeah, it's going to be easy now. Yeah. Following Jesus, it's easy. It's totally easy. Cakewalk. <laughs> um, so, you know, the other question that I love to ask and apply is, man, what do we learn about God? Like his characteristics, his attributes, his desires. What yeah, do we, I love what, that question. What do we learn about it? And we we see here that Jesus just wants our full devotion. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. not that Jesus is telling us to literally hate our family, as you were saying, Sarah, but we need to be willing to love them less, maybe put them second in order for Jesus to be first. And it reminds me of my husband and I, I always, he always jokes around with me that I, that I love food and sleep more than him. And so as I read this verse I'm like, and I started to understand it, I'm like, Jesus is asking me to love not only my family more than him, 
but food and sleep too. I was like, okay, all right. All right, Lord, I'm willing to give it all. Uh, uh, but it's a, it's an inside joke in our family because I oftentimes, um, he, he realizes there's priorities, my husband does, and, and Jesus is expecting those same priorities of like, are you willing to put me first? Right. And I, I was just having this conversation with my teenage son and talking about, and there's a lot of good things in our life, including mm-hmm. our family, including food, including sleep, and, <sighs> and, and so many other things, even things that we're naturally good at, like the, like the skills or gifts that God's given us, the interests and desires God's given us can be very, very good things. But anytime they make, we make those an ultimate thing, mm-hmm. we're putting that ahead of Jesus and we're turning those things into idols. And so Jesus needs to be first in our priorities in our life. And that's a trap that we, I think, all fall into mm-hmm. very easily. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's where, so now we can get to the, the final question and apply, which is, well, then if I, what am I learning from this, Lord? Am I praying as I pray? How do I actually apply this to my life? Yeah. Because you've now put a list of expectations of disciples from our passage, and it it makes me in turn, and maybe you know you at home, and it may be asking yourself, how am I doing with these five things that Jesus outlined in this passage? Am I putting Jesus first? Mm-hmm. Number one. Number mm-hmm. two. Am I ready to suffer for His name? Have I weighed the cost in following Jesus? Yeah. Am I ready to give up everything for Him? Mm-hmm. And Am I not influenced easily by this world? Now, this may be hitting you hard. Um, It hit me hard. But I also realize that because um, if if you're realizing that Jesus isn't first in your life, this is going to hit you pretty pretty hard pretty quickly. Yeah. And we all have moments like that. Well, yeah, we're going to have a heart check and say, man, am am I there? Yeah. Am am I willing to do this? But he is God. Mm -hmm. He is our creator. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's worth being Mm -hmm. first. And I, I think some this this is one of those passages where I want us to leave feeling hopeful and helpful, yeah. like right. But I also want us to be, you know, Jesus did the hyperbole and used the figurative language to yeah. to make a really strong point because he wants us to realize this is this is what he's asking of us. Yeah. And, and man, Jesus, you're worth it. You are absolutely yeah. worth everything. Because of the gift you've given to us mm-hmm. on the cross, because of your unconditional love, because of your mercy, there is Bible verse after Bible verse that totally speaks to who he is and what uh, he has accomplished for us that makes him so worth following. Right. Well, and, and as, you, as you say that, it makes me think of another verse that I think can kind of help balance out this. Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. A denying of ourselves, of picking up our cross and following Jesus. But then we also know in Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Heather, you were just kind of talking about, like, you mentioned, like, the, the, the works, uh, especially like the Old Testament law, mm-hmm. all the works that, that they had to do to try to gain right standing with God. And Jesus became our rest. Mm-hmm. And so we have this, this, this burden taken off of us Completely. that he became our salvation. He became our Sabbath rest. He's done it all for us. And so we can rest in him. Rest in him and know that he's just giving us a warning in this passage to know what to expect by being the follower. Yeah. That warning is totally expected. If you're going to drop everything and follow him, I, I Is get that. he worthy of our worship? He is. Right? He is. Oh, Heather, I, I love this. Is is there anything else that, that we wanted to apply here? 
um, before we sign off? You know, you know, no, but I think that, you know, when you take a heavy passage like this, where you hear mm-hmm. the words that Jesus is telling you to hate somebody, I think you can, you, we've come in mm-hmm. with some of these fears and concerns. And I, I feel leaving this passage today that what this does is say, no, all mm-hmm. this is doing is helping me understand who Jesus is, is, you know, where he wants me to be positioning them in my life. He's my ultimate. He's yeah. number one. He's first. And that's all he's asking of us in this passage. Um, and that doesn't necessarily, that I'm not hating my mom and mom, dad, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate you, but I will tell you mom and dad, Jesus is first and he always will be. And I bet you mom and dad will be pl- very, my mom and dad will be very pleased with that. I know yeah. that's not always the case for everyone else, yeah. but we can rest in knowing that Jesus is just, that's all he's asking of us. Yeah. Boy, this, you helped answer, I think, a lot of questions that I know I've had and probably hopefully, maybe a, a lot of people mm-hmm. have had, and, and, and that is our hope and our intent. And that's truly what we find when we come in and we study the passage to read the Bible on its own terms and try to uncover what what did Jesus mean when he said that? You know, I realize I'm bringing these assumptions, but what was Jesus saying? And that's what we do with the CAR Bible Study Guide, and that's what we're, we'll continue doing as mm-hmm. we continue to uncover some of these difficult or confusing or even harsh passages. Mm-hmm. So make sure you subscribe and, and join us as, as we'll continue doing that. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the CAR Project, visit us at thecarproject.com. This podcast is listener-supported. So if you'd like to support, head on over to our website and click Give.